Welcome to Untold Santa Cruz, Shelter in Peace. I'm Ryan Holmes. That's right, new intro for a new era. Took me some time trying to figure out what to say before I realized I just don't know. How could I? How could we? Well, maybe we don't know what's coming and how it's going to work out. And yet, I know that we will get there together. And our shared wisdom will lead us. It's a beautiful time to let our intent to protect others guide our egos to new possibilities. Thanks for listening. My next guest is a father, a husband, and a friend to many. Quite simply, he's an inspiration. He was diagnosed with ALS in October. And despite the sudden new reality of facing his own mortality on a drastically accelerated timeline, he continues to grow spiritually, support others, and appreciate this precious life we have. This talk is like a time machine. We sat down the week before California was ordered to shelter in place due to the coronavirus. And here we get a glimpse of the perspective we didn't know we would need so soon. After our talk, I checked in with him regarding this new normal, this new shared reality we're in. What does it mean? He responded with something prophetic and useful for navigating in this collective moment of truth. What is required of us? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Please welcome Micah Rodler. I just, I want you to know that I'm honored um, to be here with you Thank and you. for you to take the time out of your busy life to, well, um, you know, we, we have met in our peripheral lives Yeah, and um, you mentioned podcasts and I'm a big fan of them and uh, I'm a big fan of Santa Cruz and one of the things I think makes Santa Cruz very interesting are the variety of uh, characters that live in this town. So I think you're, uh, you're onto something really good with your podcast. <laughs> well, I and kept running in the, go ahead. Happy to participate. Oh, thank you. Uh, I remember enjoying our conversations on the pool deck. Uh-huh. Watch, watching the grommets learn to get their faces wet and yeah. being frightened and, you know, going through that whole process and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, well, adventure sports. Yeah. Good in the winter time. Yes. A little busy in the summertime. Yeah. And, uh, That's luckily all say. warm in the winter time. Yeah. Which is great. All right. So your, your life changed drastically since, we met on the pool deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in October of this year, I was diagnosed with ALS um, up at the Forbes Norris Clinic uh, by uh, Dr. Katz. Before that, um, my symptoms began in April. April. 2019. Okay. So this time last year, 
I was busy uh, working full-time as a construction consultant and um, coming home and getting to work on our house, remodeling our kitchen. I had, uh, you know, we had plastic up, blocking off the kitchen, mm. eating out of the microwave. <laughs> and, um, yeah, fully uh, able-bodied and um, never imagined that something like this would affect me personally mm. or obviously my family. Right. Um, so in uh, April 2019, I, I uh, my family went out of town and I went for a little backpacking trip mm. and um, hiked about a mile down a hill, pretty, pretty minimal hike uh, compared to uh, – the stuff that I enjoy, you know, before all this, I was, and still do consider myself an avid outdoorsman. Hmm. I spent years working as a whitewater river guide. Oh, wow. Doing all kinds of uh, fun rivers throughout California. Uh, I uh, spent summers camped out, and um, when I wasn't working on the river, we, we me and the guides, other uh, guides were my close friends. We'd find other adventures and mm -hmm. go deeper, <laughs> deeper into the mountains. So, anyways, mm. this little this one mile hike, it was a mission to find uh, some uh, hidden hot springs that I'd heard rumors of in Big Sur. And the plan was to hike down, camp out, and then day hike the next day. Yeah. And after hiking down, my legs were. Uh, but really, really sore. Hmm. And my balance was just a little bit weird. And I'd um, spent the night down there and uh, I just started hiking down the next day to do this big exploratory day hike. Hmm. And I wasn't feeling like it was smart because my legs weren't feeling great. Hmm. So I decided to can it and uh, packed up. And um, hiked out. The hike out was like ridiculously arduous. And mm. I do. I remember one point sitting down and looking back across this uh, valley in Big Sur and going, "Well, whatever, whatever this is, um, I'll tackle it and uh, do what I got. Whatever I got to do." I'll get over it and get back out here. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, that has not been the case. Since then, uh, my body has uh, just gotten weaker. Mm. Um, after uh, May, I went to the, my doctor, you know, and he, he, he didn't entirely dismiss it, but we didn't hit, dive into it. And then I did a, um, a uh, multi-day river trip with my family and some other families up in Oregon. And I definitely felt a lot weaker. Mm. And uh, so when I came back, that's when we um, really dove into uh, the, trying to figure out what was going on and went from uh, EMG, NCV, where they test out 
fast your nerves conduct mm. electricity, spinal tap, mm. MRIs, all this stuff. And uh, it took until about October in getting to a really good neurologist mm-hmm. to, to diagnose um, ALS, yeah. which, which was kind of uh, the worst case scenario. Mm. And um, did you have any, uh, had it crossed your mind when you started feeling the symptoms or? Um, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, the first doctor I went to was uh, Dr. Google. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I, I did. And, you know, you can type in yeah. anything you want. And, uh, but it did keep coming up with, you know, with first symptoms or weakness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this funny twitching hmm. called f- fasciculations where different muscles just twitch and not enough to move your finger your arm or whatever, mm. but it's just a little flicker. Mm. And uh, those two things kind of add up to uh, classic uh, ALS. Wow. I, I'd asked the, my doctor and about it, and he said, ah, possible, but not likely. Mm. First neurologist I said, I saw, I asked him. He said, no, I think it's this or that. And we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Uh, because unfortunately, there's no treatment. Right. Well, no cure. There are treatments. Um, and there's a lot of research happening um, now. It's my understanding that uh, advances in ALS treatments have increased significantly since the... Uh, ALS challenge, ice bucket challenge. Really? We all remember dearly. I do remember. Yeah. So that raised a lot of funds. That's good and to awareness. hear. And um, there are uh, trials going on and progress being made. There's, all right, as we speak, I'm getting um, an infusion of radicava, which is the first treatment to be made available in about 20 years. Wow. That was just released about two years ago. Okay. Can you feel, I mean, can you tell if it's helping? Um, Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows because ALS is um, called a heterogeneous disease. Hmm. It's very different for everybody. Some people um, have ALS and live with it for decades. Mm. Some people, it advances very rapidly. And some people, it affects um, one arm. Mm -hmm. Other people, it starts in a foot. It's just so different that um, unless I had a clone, we'd never know. Mm. So it makes treatment difficult, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Treatment's pretty tough. When when we ran into each other again um, last week, I left just really struck by how active you're remaining socially and physically, mm-hmm. but also just um, spiritually. Um, and I don't mean that in a religious yeah. sense, so to speak. But, sure. You know, you're um, 
you're high minded and positive and I, that's amazing to me. Yeah. And you know, honestly, you know, we have to, um, do a lot when a a person's under these circumstances. And, um, admittedly, I have a very, uh, dark times mm. when you're faced with your own mortality. It's a, uh, it's a very um, scary thing, uh, but really you can, you, you have to choose mm. what your mindset's going to be. Mm. Um, my favorite uh, Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius. Mm. He was a um, he was an emperor, mm. and he uh, he wrote this book of meditations for himself. Yeah, and one of his bottom lines was, "You can't change anything. You can't change anybody. Right? Uh, only the way you react to those things." So, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I let the, uh, um, kind of overwhelmingness of this diagnosis and its effect on me and the people I love, mm. um, it, it, it does, yeah, I let it get the best of me mm. at times, but I do strive to um, maintain an optimistic and um, outlook. And I dig for those uh, silver linings. Mm. And I want to do uh, one of those things is I've got this kind of silly notion to do as much as I can with uh, what time I have. Yeah, and no, nobody knows no, how much yeah. time that is. Um, but you know, I, 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 um, so I volunteer for podcasts and, <laughs> and anything that comes along the way. Yeah, but uh, to share your story, or yeah, to or share to, or story. to discover it. I mean, we and, discover our story sometimes through conversations as well. Yeah, and um, yep, the story is is still um, changing. And uh, initially, you know, it was, okay, We can, I can do this. Who says I'm not going to be the first guy to mm. uh, come back from ALS? Yeah. Uber, super, super optimistic. And as it evolves and changes, um, your goalposts kind of change with it. Sure. And uh, right now I'm uh, trying to really be focused on my family, but also um, I, I, I do have the, uh, a will and a want to uh, maintain a sense of uh, purpose. Yeah. I was, I was always uh I worked hard 
I had a a job that I enjoyed and uh most of the time. Yeah. Like like all jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. It had its its uh drawbacks, but um it was it kept me my mind occupied uh as a, a consultant. And so um we solved problems. Um so now I I want to um keep my mind active and um uh, help solve this ALS problem. Mm. And uh when things after the diagnosis we were kind of up in a heap and not knowing what to do and uh after um actually the first person I met after my diagnosis with the neurologist was a counselor from the ALS association mm-hmm. and she was just I, I didn't totally grasp it at the time, but she was there to console us no. and to help us. Yeah. And uh, after we got home, another woman came from the ALS Association, and uh, she and the association have been uh, a tremendous support yeah. to me and my family. Uh because when you, uh, if you're going to go buy a car, you know, you, you know, you, you uh, unless you are a mechanic, you take it to a mechanic, right, to get their advice. Yeah, they know what's going to happen. You know, if you're going to buy a house, you find the best realtor in town, uh, and uh, because you don't know the ropes, you don't yeah. know what to expect, and uh, the ALS Association does. And so they helped um, predict the, our needs sure. and um, have donated a lot of equipment to us um, from ramps, mm-hmm. lifts. Um, we, we, we got a, a loaner power chair mm-hmm. until I got, got the one I get to keep. Mm-hmm. And so having them in our corner is um, has been... Uh, uh, bright light in mm. this challenging situation. And so when uh, things got really heavy and I was no longer able to work, mm. um, we decided that we needed to start doing some fundraising. Sure. And we got, uh, got some good friends of mine together because, um, one of the one of those silver linings is um all the uh support and love that we've gotten from our community mm. and um I could spend the next two hours going on about what this person that person organization yeah. has done for us um but the a l s association has has really uh risen to the occasion mm. and uh met with my friends and decided to work on this GoFundMe effort and yeah. think about it and 
it was important to me that we show um, some sort of gratitude and um, that I do something to demonstrate that and that I kind of return the favor hmm. and, and um, to the, to the ALS to the association yeah. and kind of um, fulfill that circle. Yeah. So we um, decided that I wanted to, uh, you know, donate a percentage of whatever money we raised to the association. Mm-hmm. And despite some of my friend's advice, <laughs> they, they talked me down. Yeah. We, we raised a nice amount of money. That's great. You know, pretty quick. And uh, decided to have an event to show that uh, gratitude. And we did a, a, a roll-a-thon, walk-a-thon yeah. over on Westcliff. Some 150 people. That's great. Came That's out. That's great. And uh, we cut a check to the ALS Association for about $4,000. Oh, wow. And um, they were really uh, grateful for that. And um, I got to meet Fred Fisher. We met the, I met the, uh, the president and vice president of the ALS Association, Golden West Chapter, came in to visit and um, thank me and and to show me their support and explain to me what the um, funds would go towards. Hmm. And um, after that meeting, or during that meeting, I told them that we were, were just getting started what else can I do? Yeah. You know? And to sign me up for um, any advocacy work yeah. I can do. Um, and so since then, things have been pretty busy. Yeah. And uh, there's a organization called ALS TDI. So they um, gather data on people with ALS. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. And um, they've all, so a little while back, um, Fred Fisher, who's the uh, ALS Association Golden West Chapter president, gave me a call and asked if I would speak on their behalf to mm. the state assembly. Wow. And, uh, that's coming up in about two weeks, and I am going to be uh, convincing the state assembly to uh, continue funding for the. Uh, it's called the wraparound program. Okay, and that's the program that supported the people that came out and helped my family and I. Mm. So it's really this uh, nice way for me to uh, give back yeah, and uh, hopefully help uh, other people get diagnosed with ALS yeah. in the future. It, um, well, I, I forget if I told you this, but my, my grandfather had ALS mm-hmm. and that was, uh, you know, that was in the seventies. Yeah. And it, I don't think there was any support then. And it strikes me just, you know, when you, you don't know what you don't know about a lot mm-hmm. of things, but 
something as impactful and complex. And, you know, it's, I'm, it makes me happy to hear that there were counselors for the day that they yeah. told you because you go home a different man, a different, mm-hmm. with a different life. And that's, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I've obviously, uh, gone through some changes, uh, physically. Yeah. And, uh, I, I do try to, um, approach this, um, understanding that my, uh, physicality is all that's changing. Mm. Although it does, I can't say, I, I don't think my necessarily mental capacity, uh, has changed. I, I didn't have that great a start with that <laughs> to begin with, but, um, in the sense of, what is important um, in your life? That that's been a big, big, yeah. big change to um, thinking about the stuff that would uh, upset me or get me down before this diagnosis is an eye roller. Now, yeah, you know, it's something that uh, uh, so many, so many things are are, are so petty, mm. you know. Uh, anyhow, do you ever, I mean, I think we, you know, we're of the age where you start to see friends, you know, pass and, you know, mm. whether it be accidents or illness and, and, you know, we, we always think a little bit about our mortality. Um, do you ever wish that you could have got some of the perspective shift before the illness? Or do you think, I mean... Do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, I think so. And um, sure, I do. You know, obviously, uh, it, and, but when you're not in the circumstance, the littler things are important too. Yeah, they are. You know, uh, but, you know, I am. Um, this uh, situation is challenging in a lot of ways. We got to get, um, you know, our uh, our living situation solidified. Mm. That that's really a priority, but it's also a priority or important for me to kind of come to terms with my own uh, mortality, and it it is something that I had thought about mm. and um, there's a, a, an idea called memento mori hmm. which is it's a pretty it's kind of an ancient idea to remember that you too will die mm-hmm. and uh, it goes back to the Romans I think and uh, you know even their Emperors who would return from a from their conquests would have a triumph, mm. which is where they would get paraded through town, and everybody would be celebrating them, and the smart ones would have someone tap their shoulder, and say, "Hey, remember that you're immortal." Yeah, you know. So uh, it's kind of a, you know. 
it's yeah, I, it's it's along the carpe diem kind of idea, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important but hard to grasp until you're uh, faced with a situation like this. Yeah. Although you know, I I I I'd come across these ideas and thoughts um beforehand. Yeah. And um, in theory, though, right? I mean, before. In in theory, yeah. The, I mean, the but idea. It, it was it was a you know a good preparation for this when it happened. Yeah. I I'd had some um, things that caused a lot of anxiety for me, and I pursued um, solutions mm-hmm. and. Uh, the one that really worked well was meditation. Hmm. And um, I saw it as kind of a, a practice for when you do get um, exposed to uh, stressors in your life mm-hmm. to be able to return to that relaxed state when um, the expletive is hitting the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's good, and um, so you meditate still. I try. Yeah, I do. Um, off and on, uh, you know, I I'd have periods where I'd, I'd meditate ten, twenty, thirty minutes a day yeah. for uh, you know, weeks, months, and then not, mm. and um, on and off. But I also um, hope you don't mind that I mentioned that I got a lot of support and help for this in my Masonic Lodge. No, no, I, yeah. I don't mind that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about my history here in Santa Cruz, yeah. I grew up um, in spending a lot of time in Paradise Park Masonic Club, which oh, yeah. is just outside of Santa Cruz. And I come over with my mom and dad for the summer and long weekends and many of my uh, best friends I met then when I was a child, and uh, now our kids are really good friends. That's great. And uh, our parents were good friends, and uh, our grandparents knew each other. Oh wow! So it's it's this really neat place where uh, families know each other for generations, and um, to uh, it's obviously it's a Masonic club, mm-hmm. so um, that's kind of what spurred my um, interest in Masonry. And I got involved a few years ago, and uh, discovered that it's a really beautiful thing. And I don't, I won't carry on about it, mm-hmm. but just that the uh, the guys who are in my lodge have been um, another. Um, a very strong source of support. Yeah. And they, they, they come around just to hang out with me hmm. and spend time with me. And, um, even the, uh, the things that we learn in masonry have been a really, uh, strong, um, support for me through this time. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how connected we are. Uh, technologically these days, 
yet time and time again, it's that tribe that those people that you, that you're physically with and whether it be work or, or, um, you know, uh, like at the Masonic lodge, I'm sure you have many memories and there's many family memories and, and stories that are told. And it's, it's those, I mean, it's so tribal. Um, and I feel like we miss that sometimes because we feel connected, but it's a, it's a false sense of connectivity. Well, I, uh, I, I can't help but have a little disagree with you a tiny bit in, in the sense of uh, the word tribal. Because I think uh, tribalism is one of uh, the big problems we have today. And uh, it, that's one of the things that um, surprised me about masonry mm. is that it it is the opposite of that. Hmm. It's very um, inclusive and um, more so than I'd imagined. And I think people, most people do. And uh, that, that is debatable Hmm. granted. Um, But I think it's important that, uh, you know, I don't know, tribalism, just the idea of that, I love the community and support, but I just draw a little challenge with tribalism because it can be uh, divisive. Oh, I think you used a better word than I did there. I think probably what I was getting at was the community, the um, yeah. the shared experience, the shared stories, mm-hmm. the um, you know the the knowledge too. Yeah, um, it's it's so, it can be so bonny, but yeah, I agree. Tribalism and uh, heritage, and, and, yeah, heritage is yeah. very, very, very um, important to find when you're faced with things like this. Yeah, can yeah. quick pause for a sec. Absolutely. How are we doing on on time there, Ryan? I'm sorry to. I love this. So back so, to tribalism. <laughs> yeah, you know, just I think. Um, it is a challenge today and it's a source of a lot of the, uh, tension and problems that we have politically because, um, I don't know why, but it just is the fact that your, uh, your tribe kind of defines your, a lot of people's perspective. And, um, so if you're, you know, if you're a pro-lifer, you're probably going to be anti-gun and, uh, you know, you can kind of predict your position on one thing based on another thing. Right. And I think it's that lack of critical thinking on people's part that, um, is, um, a challenge. Yeah. The rigidity, um, the rigidity. And, you know, I, uh, it's hard to speak to things without having a good depth of knowledge on them. Mm. And now that we have uh, social media, which I am, I'm all over, mm. but I've stopped uh, anything remotely political. No, that's probably smart. Responsive on it because, you know, it, it pops from one line and there to the next. Yeah. And it can't really 
have that conversation about um, whatever that topic is. Yeah. And whatever the topic is, you know, based on your uh, political party, you already have kind of a a predisposition to what side you're on. Right. Right. And uh, anyhow, I'm kind of an independent nowadays. Yeah. Well, it seems like we've lost the ability to to hold um, multiple ideas at once. You yeah. know, if you're in the middle and you think, well, you know, I, I think there should be some restrictions on guns. I'm not sure what they are. I'd need more information than you get attacked by both sides, right. you know, and that, that's probably a real hot button issue to mention, but, yeah. um, you know, I think it's okay to just say, I don't have enough information. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I sure would like to have people, uh, around that do know and yeah. are curious and aren't just holding to one stance to win. And I will say that, um, a lot of people respond, uh, kind of out of fear on both, both sides of the spectrum. And, um, that's, that's a human trait. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, do you, do you think that, um, you are always, uh, prone to considering both sides or do you think that your, your diagnosis has created a perspective for you? That's so far as like my diagnosis, and my kind of political thinking, it's it's really slowed it down. Mm. I, I was probably more interested in what's what's going on politically before I got sure. sick because I just kind of have a limited bandwidth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was before I got sick, and and it was actually after uh, getting, getting back to my the my Masonic group. You know, um, it, uh, before I joined Masons, I was a pretty staunch liberal. I still have more liberal views and conservatives, but our, our group kind of uh, bans the spectrum of political views, and uh, we get together and agree not to uh, really harp on political politics mm. or secular religion and just try to get along and um it's brought up a lot of interesting conversation Mm. that made me aware of my own biases Mm. um and that was really the thing that kind of changed my perspective and um helped me take a few steps back before i I, I blurt out a response on social media you know or get really defensive um that seems yeah. so important to have a um, a diverse group of people that are important to you and that you trust to um, mm-hmm. really strengthen you, uh, strengthen your you know your your thoughts and the kind of conversations and the way you consider circumstances it's, or events. It's really it's really good to have uh, because uh, we it seems to me that a lot of people get caught in their. Um, echo chamber on social media mm. or with their friends and people that they're close to, you know, we, we tend to attract people that um, we have commonalities with. Yeah. So it's good to have a group where you 
there's a, a more diverse thought process. Mm. Yeah. And it helps bring, you know, although uh, I can't deny I'm, I'm right most of the time. <laughs> it's good. So am I. Hear, yeah. <laughs> it's good to hear another side of the story. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, it, you know, I, ALS has no political boundaries either. I'm right. sure you've, and I'm, I'm, I don't exactly know where I'm going with that, but my, it, it doesn't know economic boundaries or political boundaries. And, uh, it, it, it so, yeah, ALS, um, it, it's, uh, uh, it doesn't care. Doesn't care. You know, it's, it, it, and ultimately, you know, uh, you know, people hear ALS and associate associate it with the death sentence, and uh, yeah, it's it's all that's definitely part of the process. Mm. But um, it is for all of us, and that that memento more idea is mm. death is a great equalizer. Yeah, you know. From the uh, wealthiest billionaire to the poorest uh, transient person walking through your neighborhood, yeah, it, it, it's it's something that we all are um, going to face sometime, and uh, that's an interesting part of this diagnosis is that I've really had time to uh, consider mortality mm. and and life. Um, at a far too early age, yeah. But it is something that um, I am going to experience in this very slow process. So it gives me, um, in some ways, more time to prepare because I know it's um going to happen eventually and probably sooner than it should. Mm. So um, I am definitely having an opportunity to um, think about my, my spirituality and uh, what I foresee, uh, you know, happening after I transition. Yeah. And uh, I uh, obviously don't know, but um, the strange sensation is that the closer I get, the less less I'm afraid of it. Mm. And um, I think we're ready to Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate to rush it. That's okay. That's okay. I just I wanted to um, share your story uh, because it touched me personally. Thank you, Ryan. Um, and I wanted to have people just know a little bit of the voice, uh, the who who gets this yeah. disease and. Everybody. How they can help everybody. And, yeah. um, anybody. Yeah. And the thing, uh, I think, I think people should hear is that, um, it's not cured yet. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, um, audience and funding. You know, uh, people live with AIDS yeah. now. Yeah. It, it's not cured, but it's treatable. The same should be true yeah. for ALS. And uh, in today's immediate environment of uh, 
coronavirus fears. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's something like global warming that we, uh, know it's going to happening, but not going to happen to us. No. Yeah. So anyhow, um, we hope it, it, today until is it, it does. Well, you're in a place that, um, we'll all be at some point, but you've got a far greater awareness of mm-hmm. it because of it's, I mean, it's, it's definite it's process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definite for all of us, but we don't know mm-hmm. it. Like you said, we hope it won't happen, but life is terminal as yeah. it turns out. Well, our, our physical existence, at least. Yeah. 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 Who knows, you know, or well, nobody knows, but you know, um, faith in the ever after is a very comforting thing, and uh, but I think that's up to everyone's own discretion. Absolutely. All right, thank you. I want to let you get to the rest of your day because you're a busy man. Uh, thanks, Ryan. I I would love to talk um, all day. That's the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. To find out more about Micah Rodler in his journey and how you can help, please see the show notes. And as always, if you know someone out there making a difference with their perspective, their outlook, the work they're doing, I'd love to meet them. We could all use some inspiration.